Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning, 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific, and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. We are very fortunate to have with us today the director of an Academy Award-nominated short documentary. It's called Heroin, H-E-R-O-I-N, with a parentheses around the E, and that's true. It's it works as it's a it's a documentary about the uh, scourge of so much of America right now, which is the opioid uh, um, epidemic, and it is about heroin. That's one way to look at it, but it's also about these three women who do a remarkable job of doing what they can in order to to mitigate the uh, the horrific impact of this uh, of this drug on our society and it's it's something we're going to get into with Elaine McMillian Sheldon. Elaine, welcome to Film School. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, I, really where did the, I, I I know this has been out there for a while. I you know, I I'm, I'm thinking back somebody who watches a lot of movies. I remember Winter's Bone. Uh, that was about 10 years ago, and it was uh, a story of Jennifer Lawrence's first film. And it was about the opioid uh, it, uh, issues in Arkansas and how that was impacting society. So this has been with us for a while, but it's been a long mm-hmm. time to get on our radar in terms of sort of a national issue. Tell me where you came into uh, your understanding of the opioid uh, epidemic and then what went into your decision to turn it into a documentary. Yeah, well, I grew up in West Virginia, specifically in southern West Virginia, which is a place that, you know, now that records are being revealed through court cases, um, has been flooded with pills. You know, the town of Kermit, West Virginia, which is just one county away from where I grew up, um, sort of the same socioeconomic issues of the community I grew up in. Um, that one single pharmacy over two years received nine million pills oh from my. a single distributor. Oh so, you know, the, the, the area in which I grew up in and still live in has been flooded with pills. And so the opioid crisis is not something new to us. It certainly is making headlines on a national level now because it's spread, you know, like you said, outside of rural areas, outside of Appalachia. And now, you know, there's wealthy families in Connecticut who are finding themselves in this situation. I think it's really opening up the conversation of what addiction is. I think that most people before this current crisis have uh, sort of wrote off addiction as a moral failure, uh, potentially a lower class problem, uh, you know, a class a class and race problem, to be honest. And yeah. so I think we're all, America's waking up to the realities of addiction, that it actually doesn't matter how old you are, what your gender is, what race you are, what community you're from. This these this is a very real thing for everyone. So it's a blessing and a curse that we're having this conversation right now. It is. But tell me, where did this sort of, did you meet the judge? Did you meet Patricia Keller? How did you decide... I want to make a. I want to make a documentary. These are my my friends, family, my people. Uh, what what went into that sort of that decision on your part to to move forward with making heroin? Well, there had been a lot of media. You know, a lot of people had come in to Huntington in particular because Huntington has been very transparent about their overdose numbers, mm-hmm. um, and so that's been a good and bad thing for them. They've been able to get more help because they've been more honest about the problem, but it's also attracted. Um, some potentially exploitive media coming out of there. Um, and so we actually went to Huntington to better learn 
a different story. You know, we, we approached uh, Jan Rader first, who's the fire chief, and um, she really is responsible for why this film even exists. I mean, she took, she trusted us. We live in West Virginia. We had a lot in common with Jan, and we were able to connect with her on a deeper level. And she just trusted us and took us around Huntington um, and in- introduced us to well over 15 or 20 people that are really doing things you know, without a lot of resources, but trying to make the change they, they see needs to be made. And so in that process, she introduced us to Judge Patricia Keller, who runs the Adult Drug Court, and Nisha Freeman, who does her own uh, ministry called Brown Bag Ministry, where she helps women get off the street. But, you know, Nisha's a real estate agent and single mom on, on all the hours she's not helping women. So um, we, you know, it felt like the right time to have a conversation that isn't about dire statistics necessarily, isn't about the, um, you know, the actual visuals of someone who is addicted, which is typically what we see, right. but instead about the people who transcend that conversation and who are working on a day-in, day-in, day-out basis to change the reality. Um, and so, you know, I think it's a, a story that America needs, personally, one of, one of hope, and yes. hope is not to say everything's going to be fixed. It's not false, you know, optimism, but, you know, one in which we know we have to work towards change. It's not going to happen without grassroots effort. I completely agree with what you said. I think that you're right to point out that the film it's, is uh, is a, there's hope. Uh, there are people who are willing to stand up and uh, be there for people who are dealing with addiction. I also want to, sort of the film, I don't think intentionally does, but it, it does highlight a change, maybe not in the entire country, but certainly increasingly around the country, we're seeing a different approach to people who are addicted to drugs. That we're that the 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 first option is no longer to incarcerate them. Is is that is it fair to say that things are changing in that regard? And are you are you sort of how plugged into that part of the story of addiction and dealing with addiction? Are are you in that regard? I would say that things are changing. I would say it's still the beginning, um, okay. and, it, and it really depends on the community. I mean, the the interesting thing about the film is if you if you look at the film and you look at Huntington, you may think, "Wow, they're so progressive. They are, you know, so far ahead with this drug court, and they're they're on top of this, and they have a syringe exchange and all these different things. They're you know using naloxone, but you know the fact is." Uh, most people in this region still don't, even though we've been impacted by this for so long, still don't understand the value of a drug court, of a rehabilitation-style program. I mean, most people, unfortunately, still think that drug users should be locked up. Um, And that comes from living in a community where you have a lot of break-ins, you have people who are addicted and have to do things that aren't necessarily positive for their community to keep their fix and to not get sick. And so there's a real lack of understanding, I think, within America about what recovery looks like and how we best provide people with recovery, because it's not just about getting in a rehab and it's not just about getting into drug court. It's actually those steps that are taken, you know, once you put someone back in their environment, if they're from a generationally addicted family, that means they have to cut ties from everyone they know. And I think we underestimate the amount of incredible change that someone in recovery or someone that's trying to get out of addiction has to face. In this country, um, not only do we not support their efforts for recovery with only, you know, having less than 10 detox beds in the entire county um, that we filmed heroin in, you know, six to seven overdoses a day and less than 10 detox beds. I mean, that's a bottleneck for anybody who wants to get into treatment because recovery centers won't take people without them detoxing first. So, you know, 
we need to provide more funding for these these places to help people, but we also just need to change our minds around um, how we how we do use the criminal justice system in a way that actually is economically beneficial to everyone as a whole. You know, recidivism rates are out the roof for people that you lock up and give no recovery to, and they're back in prison. And, you know, if they go through this two-year drug court program, they have a much better chance of, you know, getting a stable job and, and becoming a functioning member of society. So I think that you know, we've given up on people, and it's very sad to see, and, and you're seeing that wave turn back. Um, you're seeing a more empathetic view. Um, and, you know, some people believe, and I don't disagree with them, that that's because, you know, the opioid epidemic has largely affected uh, white Americans. And so now it's it's opening up a conversation about race, which I think is really important. You know, when this was the crack epidemic, there was not a rehabilitation program right. to help those people. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's a. I, I'm just glad that we're talking about it finally. I mean, it's unfortunately it's you know at the point where we lose more than more than two people every single day in West Virginia, and we're a tiny state. So it's it's sad that it had to get this far before we're having the conversation. But I'm glad we are having it. Yeah. I want to remind our listeners we're speaking with. Elaine McMillian Sheldon, and the uh, the film is called Heroin. It's Academy Award nominated for the short documentary film uh, program, uh, and it is also a film that was sponsored or produced by Netflix, so you can see the film currently. Am I correct? You can see it on Netflix now? Yep. It was uh, produced in partnership with the Center for Investigative Reporting oh, for right. their Glassbreaker initiative, and then Netflix is, um, it was, it's picked up as, as a rig- original Netflix original, so it's it went on Netflix in September. So my apologies because the, you're right. The Center for Investigative Reporting they're they're just a remarkable outfit, uh, and d- I don't want to dive too deeply into all the politics surrounding uh, addiction, incarceration, and all that. But I think we need to talk a little bit about. I completely concur with you that the fact that it's now affecting more or less a, a wider population in, in America has had something to do with us seeing these these issues differently. I think often we see these as moral failures we have in the past, and I, these are things that are, as you've talked about, it's not just the a behavior, but it's also lack of uh, opportunity, educational opportunity, job opportunity, uh, a, a sort of hollowing out of America's infrastructure and our manufacturing base and our opportunities for people to, to find work, to get into a place where where they have a much brighter future has certainly contributed to what's going on with 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 what's what's happening in the country um i don't know if you want to comment on that but if people want if people okay go ahead please is that well no i just i just think like there's certainly it certainly wouldn't be as big of a problem if if there was uh less hopelessness you know and and you know for a long time people pointed their fingers to this region and and called it a a pill billy i'll never forget those comments of, you know, hillbillies snorting pills, and this was a pillbilly problem. You know, you know, uh, movies like the uh, Wild and Wonderful Whites of West Virginia really helped uh, zero in on on exploiting a, a lower class addicted to a right. prescription drug. And right. and so now that it's it's class, it's race, it's geogra- it's geographical. You know, you're absolutely right that you know, even when people are able to get clean and sober, if they can't support themselves, you know, oftentimes the the best way to fastest way to support yourself in southern West Virginia is to get a 30-day prescription of Oxycontin and sell it. Um, and so it's, it's become part of the economy. Right. And, you know, now that's turned to more dangerous drugs like fentanyl and carfentanyl. But, you know, it did start with prescription pills. And, um, 
it's yeah it's but i you know i do have hope i do you know this is a very dire problem um but i think you know i have had friends personally from high school and middle school who have um you know become addicted and have lost their children and are now you know three four years clean um have regained custody are sort of building a new life and and those people are the people i really and the jan raiders and patricia kellers and nisha freemans are the ones i have to focus my energy on um because that's how we create um a community that supports recovery rather than shames people right and i want to point out as well the film is a it's a beautiful film in terms of just the the, following the stories like you said jan raider uh judge patricia keller and uh nishia uh freeman and how they go about doing what they do uh you're right about jan raider she she's one of these people immediate she the camera loves her in terms of her sort of her bearing the way she handles herself uh you can tell right away she's she knows what she's doing. She's uh, she knows how to handle these very difficult situations, and sadly, often um, fatal situations that she deals with on a regular basis. But she's always looking forward in terms of you know we can how we can approach what you're just what you're talking about how we can approach this and hopefully make the lives of these people better. As you know, so your focus on three wonderful characters, wonderful women involved in this. Um, and it, it's just a great watch, as it just as a documentary. You've done a fantastic job. You have a obviously you have a background in film. You've made films before. What was uh, in terms of your challenges? Uh, did it help that you're from this region? I imagine it did. But were there what were the sort of the challenges for you as a filmmaker in making heroin? Yeah, I think it certainly helped. My husband and I made this film together. He's the lead DP and producer. We're both from West Virginia, and we live, you know, 45 minutes from Huntington. And I think that local connection really helped us to understand our limits. You know, I I saw a lot of crews that had come into Huntington and had heard a lot of stories about them getting in the way of the first responders trying to do their job, and that is horrifying to me. I mean, I think that that was one of the biggest challenges was making sure we were helping and not hurting. And if we weren't helping, at least we were just observing. You know, I do come from a journalistic background, um, and my husband has been making short films. We've been making films together for a while. So I think the biggest challenge was, you know, how much can we show of these women's lives? I mean, with three of them in a 39-minute film, we weren't able to show you the footage of them at home and yeah. and the different sort of connective tissue of them outside of that job. But we did want to keep the film verite. We did want to – we didn't ever want to stop the momentum with sit-down interviews. Like, all interviews are happening in scene unless there is voiceover. We just right. wanted to keep that momentum going and yeah. not bog the viewer down with statistics. And, you know, you get those statistics through headlines on a daily basis, and, right. and they're shocking, and they are what they are. But we wanted to put a more human face on this problem, and particularly around the people coming up with solutions and just fighting that daily fight. Yeah, it's it, it underappreciated, the short documentary uh, format. In terms you tell the story, you, you give the film, you give the, this just as you described it, telling the story of what is happening in West Virginia, you, we, you give us enough time and you, with it to understand it, to appreciate the work that these uh, people are doing in, in trying to do what they can. And uh, it's a terrific film, and uh, my congratulations to you. I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that uh, it has been nominated for an Academy Award in the short program uh, format. Uh, and uh, uh, that obviously is a tremendous uh, um, recognition for you as a filmmaker. 
What was your reaction yeah. on that? Oh, was it Tuesday morning when you when you found out that it had happened? It's just crazy. I mean, <laughs> you know, we. It's just silly. I, I mean, I. It's you know when we when we were making the film, you don't think about things like this, and um, I still feel like we're just processing it. You know, my husband and I and the three women. You know, we're it's all new to us. You know, this is it's such an incredible honor to have this amount of attention on the topic and on these three women. Um, they deserve all the questions that are coming their way and the platforms that they've been able to speak on. And I'm just really honored and excited. I mean, um, it's, it was unexpected, but, um, we're, we're very happy. And, um, you know, the, the lineup of shorts this year is they're all tackling really important topics and it's a great, it's a great year to be nominated. You know, the other films are really wonderful too. So we're just taking it day by day and hoping we can start more conversations with it. Well, congratulations uh, for this film and for your work. And obviously, this is a uh, is will provide a hopefully even a broader spectrum of of opportunity for you as a filmmaker. It's a, it's a terrific work, and uh, congratulations to you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. We've been speaking with the director of the film Heroin, Oscar-nominated short documentary called Heroin, and uh, the director Elaine McMillian Sheldon. Thank you for being on Film School. Thank you. Bye. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.